I'm the youth and families pastor here at Generations Community Church. Um, I'm just so excited this morning to be celebrating our recent grads out of high school um, and into adulthood. And, and I'm so glad that we get to come alongside them as a church family and love them and support them as they make this shift. Um, but grads, there are some things that I would like you to know. So when I started doing Grad Sundays a couple of years ago, I started with a list of the top 10 things I wish I would have learned during high school that I didn't. Um, and we continued this last year. Uh, we, I used the Huffington Post, and I, I checked back with the Huffington Post, and they continued on with the tradition, so I did as well. Uh, this year, though, it's going to be more advice for the future. So take note, seniors, and soon-to-be seniors. 10 things every high school senior should know. Number 10, you can never be fully prepared, so just enjoy the crazy ride. We can do all the planning we want uh, and have all the stuff mapped out as much as we want. And trust me, I'm a planner. When I go on vacation, my husband hates me because I plan every little thing. Um, but things have a way of surprising us in life. Uh, and this, this happens unexpectedly, and it doesn't always go the way that we anticipate. And so sometimes we just have to let go and let God. Amen? So uh, number nine, accumulate memories, not stuff. This one's hard for many of us. Uh, we do tend to want more and more stuff, whether that's the next iPhone or Android or a nicer car or a bigger car or a bigger home. Um, and the list can go on and on. And sometimes uh, we get so caught up in that stuff and working for it that we miss out on some of the memories that are being made along the way. And parents and grandparents, I feel like this one's for you too because I don't want you to forget to stop and enjoy the memories with your kids and your grandkids if you're too busy making money or whatever it is. Not that that's a bad thing, but I want you to stop and, and, and enjoy the memories because it's over far too soon. Number eight, don't be afraid to be surprised. Often in high school, we are told to plan for the future. But I have come to realize that some of the best things that have come our way are things that we didn't plan for. And whether that's children or a move or whatever, um, some of the best things are things we just didn't plan for. Number seven, salary is only one measure of success. Yes, money is important, but how much you um, make can certainly make life easier. And it can show to the world how successful you are, but it's not the only measure to success. Find what truly makes you alive and happy um, and have purpose. And my hope for you is that you find that in Christ and in your family and friends and not necessarily in a salary. Number six, listen to your heart when deciding your career. I would add listen to God. God speaks to us in a multitude of ways, whether that's through scripture or songs or people in our lives. Um, but I would say get wisdom and guidance from God about your life. Number five, every choice you make can impact your future. Yes, that's true. I don't even have, that's just true. <laughs> Number four, friends will come and go. Also true and a hard one to swallow. Um, some of the best friends I had in high school and even college, I don't really talk to them anymore. Not because we went bad ways and we separated, but because life happens and we get busy and we just move. And um, I can reach out to them if I want to, but it just means we weren't as close as we once were. And sometimes that's hard. Number three, adult life is expensive. <laughs> Truth happening in real life, especially around here. <laughs> Number two. 
A college degree doesn't guarantee your dream job. Uh, <laughs> that's not to say you shouldn't go to college, uh, but I know a lot of people who went to college for something and ended up not doing at all what they set out to do. Um, and that's, it's common, it's very common, but trust God along the way to help you make those decisions when it comes to your life. And number one, you'll miss these days. And your parents will miss these days, so let them take all the pictures and have all the hugs and all the kisses they want. My hope for you who have graduated and for all of our young people in the church is that we as adults would come alongside you as you navigate entering into adulthood in this next phase of your life. That we would help you through life lessons and help you in your walk with God and in being a part of the body of Christ, the church. And I have to tell you, this is Jesus' desire for you as well. We know this, and that is why we strive to be an intergenerational church. I want there to be adults in your life that love you and care about you because Christ did that for them and because other adults did that for them. But seriously, Jesus gung-ho on making sure you belong as young people in the church. Uh, I brought in a couple of Bibles that are, that are my boys' Bibles. Um, for a lot of you, you probably recognize these, or at least some variation of these, and probably remember your own kids having these types of Bibles. On the front of these Bibles are um, these really cute little pictures of Jesus surrounded by all the little kids. Um, and, and it looks like this perfect, sweet scene. And you probably remember the text in scripture about welcoming the children in. The way Jesus talked about intergenerational relationships in reality and in that time was actually anything but sweet. In fact, it was quite radical for those times. This morning, we're going to be looking at this passage a little deeper. Um, but before we get to that, I want, and I need to give you some history leading up to it. So a few scenes before Jesus talks about the little children, he went to pray, as Jesus often does. And in this particular scene in Luke chapter 9, we are going to be in that chapter this morning, if you'd like to turn there with your um, Bibles or your apps on your phone. Luke chapter 9, 28, he takes three disciples with him, Peter, John, and James. And if you first read this text, you think, no big deal. Like, Jesus is going off, and he's going to go pray, and he took a few disciples with him, right? Wrong. Well, probably wrong, because what ensues uh, is where we pick up at verse 46, is that an argument breaks out among the disciples about which one of them would be greatest. Likely, when Jesus took three away to pray, that fueled some jealousy and insecurities in the rest of the disciples. Everyone wants to be Jesus' best friend. So that's where we pick up. Luke chapter 9, verses 46 through 48. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand right beside him. And then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest. And in this scene, we see that Jesus places two figures before the disciples. He places himself, whom they obviously respect, and a child. And in that time and culture, a child held little to no value. At this point, the great news here is that there is hope for the disciples because Jesus is saying that greatness can be attained. That's their question, and Jesus is saying, yes, greatness can be attained. But for them in their minds, there's also some bad news here. 
the way this greatness is attained is from doing something that is counterintuitive for them, welcoming a child. What makes it harder for the disciples is the verbiage Jesus uses here for welcome. The Greek word Jesus uses here for welcome is dekomai. And this often meant showing hospitality to guests. It carries a connotation with servanthood. So we have been going through this book called Sticky Faith. I'm going to hold it up just so you all see it because I think everybody needs to read it. Um, and I'm a youth pastor, so I'm a little biased. But everybody needs to read this book. Uh, it's by Dr. Kara Powell and Dr. Chap Clark. And we've been going through it um, with our parent class that we've been having on Wednesday nights over the last several weeks. And essentially the premise of this book is to figure out how to instill sticky faith and stickiness to the church for our young people before they graduate high school. Because if they don't, there is a high probability that they will leave the church or God after they graduate and move on to adulthood or college. In fact, out of their research, they have found that 40 to 50% of kids who graduate from a church with a youth group will fail to stick with their faith in college. This statistic should make us all highly uncomfortable. I know that it makes me uncomfortable, it makes me sad and disheartened and more, and it's definitely up there in one of the reasons why I'm in youth ministry and why I'm always trying to find new ways to integrate our young people to the body of Christ and not just have youth group. Now, youth group is important and valuable, but it's more important and valuable for them to find their place and where they belong within the church body. And in this book, they gave this scene that is all too familiar. And I want you to think back to when you're a kid or, or maybe even with your own children. Um, Thanksgiving dinner. And I don't mean to talk about something like you're probably already ready hungry and now I'm talking about Thanksgiving dinner. But I want you to think about that. There is an adult table, generally, that is super fancy and nice. And in most homes, there is a kid's table. Sometimes it's just a small table off to the side. Sometimes, like in my case at my aunt's home one year, I'll never forget, uh, if you've played cards and you know those folding playing card tables, that's where we sat that year. Um, many of you, um, if not all of you, can probably remember and picture this scene. And oftentimes, it's not just the separate tables, but separate china versus paper plates. Like, my mom always busts out the china, but we as kids did not get china on our table. Um, different rooms completely. Sometimes there were years when we were not even in the same room. <laughs> um, cloth napkins versus paper napkins. Basically, what they're getting at in this book is that in theory, the adults and children are at the same meal. But in reality, they're each having two very different experiences. This, to some degree, is how we have created a culture in church. As adults, we come in and we drop off our children or teens off at their programming, and not that age-specific programming is bad, um, but then they go to church and they spend adult time. We are in the same space, but are having vastly different experiences. Those who have been sitting at the youth ministry or children's ministry table don't know church. They know youth group, not church. Our grads this morning, um, I'm, I'm super thankful to be a part of a church family that sees the value in intergenerational ministry because the reality is that most churches have their kids or teens completely segregated. They don't come into the sanctuary. They don't serve communion. They don't, um, they don't be a part of worship. We, we get that in this church, and I love being a part of a church that does that. I still think we have some room for improvement, and I still think we can do better at intergenerational ministry, 
I think most churches can do that, though. I think there's always room for improvement. The reality is, is that Jesus calls us to do this. Jesus calls us to be intergenerational, a sticky web of relationships. So Jesus is asking the disciples to do something, um, showing hospitality and servanthood to the kids, that is usually fulfilled by those in society who were viewed as different from or often inferior to them. Um, so the women and slaves. <laughs> like, they are the ones who serve and show hospitality to guests, not the men. So here Jesus says, and you have to understand, something I have learned about Jesus is that he loves to flip things upside down. He loves to flip our world upside down. He throws out the rule book. And so here he is asking the disciples, who, by the way, were arguing about who and how greatness is attained. I often think of this passage and I think of Snow White in some ways, like mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the greatest of us all? And Jesus asked them to show insane amounts of humility by embracing the kids within their midst. By allowing children to be a part of the church, they are showing love and accepting Jesus. So according to Jesus, the, greatest, the greatness happens when we as adults welcome in our young people. In the ministry world, the average ratio for young people to adults on any given trip or youth group or whatever um, is one to five, meaning that there is generally one adult per five kids that we should have around. The book Sticky Faith flips this and asks, what would happen if we had five adults investing in and loving one child, and that's outside of the parents. I mean, think about it just for a moment. How many of you are investing into one young person right now? Jesus is telling us that great Christian living is us as adults welcoming in our young people, coming alongside them and doing life with them, mentoring them, helping them have a space where they belong, so that way they do stick to their faith and to the church when they graduate. In fact, according to a survey they conducted for their research, the number one way that churches made teens feel welcomed and valued was when adults in the congregation showed an interest in them. More than any single program or event, adults making the effort to get to know the kids was far more likely to make the kids feel like a significant part of the church. I would be willing to bet that our teens would say they too want adults to invest in them and show them that they are loved and cared for in our church. Some of them can probably pinpoint an adult already um, that has made an impact in their lives outside of their parents. But what if it was more than just one adult? What if our young people each had at least five adults in this church outside of our children's and youth workers who were pouring into them, even in small ways, birthday cards, texts, phone calls, or in big ways. Maybe there are some of you in this room who think you could commit to mentoring a child or a teen all the way through graduation. I would love to see when we have baby dedications that every time we do, a family in our church would come alongside and adopt that baby and that family and, and walk with them all the way from birth to young adulthood. The reality is, is that more adults who seek out and help students and help the student apply faith to daily life is the better. The more connected to God they will become, the more connected to the church they will become so they don't walk away when they graduate. You see, we're on limited time here. Um, if you haven't been a part of these services in the last couple of years, these marbles that you see over there probably don't make any sense to you. Um, but when a child is born, you have nine, whoop, 936, it's heavy, um, 936 weeks left with them when they're born. Then you hit high school and you're down to that many, less than half. And then this is right before they hit senior year with 52 weeks left. 
And those of you who have grads this morning, you are out of marbles. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not to be subtle or anything. Um, <laughs> I want to show you a quick video in just a second of uh, my son Jackson, who was two, and I just wanted to give you a little preface. So we went to uh, the Enchanted Forest in Oregon when we lived there for his birthday, and he went on one slide, and then this is what happened. It's not a slide. It's not a slide. You're going up. You're going up. It's just a hill. It's just a hill. What do you want me to help you do? It's not a slide. It's just, it's not a slide. I can't help you because it's not a slide. What do you want me to do? You're not going to slide down this. <laughs> it's not a slide. He <laughs> was very convinced. He was very convinced that year. Many of you remember in this room, whether you're a grandparent, a seasoned parent, or a young parent, that our kids, especially at this age, need us. They need us for pretty much everything, um, and they get determined that it's supposed to be one way, and often we have to come alongside them and guide them, and I would um, venture to say that it's not just two-year-olds, it's also seniors who are graduating. Um, they get it in their heads that it's supposed to be one way, and we as adults and as parents, we have to come alongside them and guide them. And while it's important for our young ones to create a sense of identity and responsibility, it's equally important that we journey with them, walk alongside them, and guide them. Jackson was convinced that the whole park was a slide that year, and Adam had to repeatedly tell him, no, in fact, it's not a slide, which you heard. And eventually, with enough conversations with him and showing him what slides are, he soon realized for himself what slides are. <laughs> we are on limited time, from birth through adulthood. When they are babies, we feel like we have all the time in the world. But as I'm sure that our parents of our grads this morning can attest to, it goes by way too fast. But in those 17 to 19 years, how beautiful would it be for not only the parents of our young people to guide them in the slides of life and in developing their faith in God, but also our church family. You, adults coming alongside those that are still in our next-gen ministries. And it's never too late. Mentoring them, loving them, guiding them, making it known that they are a part of this church family as well. And it doesn't have to stop at graduation. And in a moment, um, we're going to look at a short video of our grads through the ages, and we're going to pray a blessing over them. And you probably noticed as you came in through the lobby that there are tables out there. Uh, each table represents one of our 10 grads this year. Each table has a sheet of paper, um, and I want you to pray as we watch the video about which grad you would commit to praying for and investing even just a little bit this year. Um, whether that's texts or cards or whatever, um, while they're at college or entering in this next phase of life. Because the Sticky Faith research shows that contact, even from one adult, from the congregation outside of youth ministry during the first semester in college or post-high school, is linked with Sticky Faith. Also, uh, I hope that you will be thinking and praying about whether or not God might be calling you to welcome a young person before they graduate. 
as Jesus calls us to do. Guide them, mentor them, love them as Jesus first loved you.